Welcome to the Successful Man Podcast. This is Rob Montgomery, and today's episode, we're going to look at our role as fathers. I hope you had a good January so far here in 2021. It's been an interesting start to the new year. I hope you've taken some time since we talked last to maybe review 2020, look at those areas where you can improve, things you need to work on. Things you did well, things you didn't do so well, and had an honest review. I was able to write down several lessons that I'm excited to try to implement this year in areas that I wish I would have done better. A couple of those I'll share with you as I I look back at my calendar in 2020. I realized I didn't designate many date nights with my wife. And as I think about my kids getting older, I I thought, you know, I probably need to spend some individual time with them because I'm raising four daughters and you get stretched thin and and a lot of times you're talking together, but that individual one-on-one time is so important. So one of my goals this year has been to spend a night each month with my daughters and spend a good date night with my wife each month. So I'm on track this month to meet that goal and hoping to keep that up the rest of the year. And that's what a a yearly review will do for you, help you see areas you need to improve in. Really encourage you, if you would like some some good information on how to do an annual review, I encourage you to listen to the previous podcast. Today what we want to do, though, is look at our role as fathers. This is something that uh, is heavy on my heart. I'm raising four daughters, as I said, and being the dad that influences their life to be a successful citizen, someday a a successful wife and successful mother, that's important to me. I understand fully that how I raise them now is really going to determine if they get on, on the right foot as they step out into life on their own. But today, if you're a father, I just think this episode is going to challenge you. It's going to encourage you to really take a more active role in the life of your son or, or daughter. The first thing I'd like you to do is go back and if you wrote down your success score that you gave yourself when it comes to your role as a father, I'd like you to review that and see what what you gave yourself as a success score. And if you're unfamiliar with what I'm talking about, just go back to our first podcast and that's where we kind of break down how to uh, score ourselves as really a baseline in the roles that we hold moving forward. If you're not a father and you plan to be one someday, I really think this episode will be something that you can use and and kind of keep in your hip pocket for uh, helping you be the best father you can be. There's a book that comes to my mind as I start out this podcast that really spoke volumes to me, and it's written by a a retired Navy SEAL named Jocko Willink. The name of the book is Extreme Ownership. I will warn you that the language in the book is is something you would expect from a military person. So it wasn't quite a surprise to me with some of the things I read, but the the concepts in it are are very good. And I'll just I'll just say this that the the thought of extreme ownership, in other words, um, taking responsibility for the things that are within your control is the overarching theme of that book. And if you have produced offspring, and you are a father, guess what? You need to take extreme ownership in how you teach them and train them and raise them in this life. Too many dads, we hear the term deadbeat dad, right? Really, it's just sad how many 
how many dads are not involved in the raising of their children. And so today the challenge is for you to take extreme ownership of that role and to give it your best in being the best father you can be. It's going to be a a heavy Bible lesson today. I'm going to be using a lot of scripture, but I believe the Bible has some great insight into how we raise our kids. Really, it's the book for the ages, right? It's, It's a timeless message with timeless content and timeless principles that we can apply to our life. So really, there's two scriptures that, to me, speak plainly about our role as fathers. The first one is in Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 4, and I'm kind of old school. I use the good old King James Version, whatever version you decide to read. I'm going to be using the King James today in everything I do in, in future podcasts. But this scripture says, And ye fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, Listen to this, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. The second verse is Proverbs 22 and verse 6. It says, train up a child in the way he should go. Did you catch that? train up a child in the way he should go. And then there's a great promise here. It says, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. King Solomon, the wisest man that ever lived, understood that young men may depart from that solid training they get as children. But if you give them that solid training, we do have a promise that when they're older, they'll come back to what they've been taught. Really, there's four words. As I read these two scriptures, I'm going to give you four words to describe your role as a father. And here they are. Number one, you're a guide. In other words, you're pointing the finger of the way your child should go, guiding them along the path. Number two, train. Part of your role as a father is training. I think of uh, a trainer as being a teacher, a coach, an instructor, maybe someone who even demonstrates the way something is done, and there's a thoroughness to it. There's a, uh, there's a depth of, of knowledge that comes with it. Uh, in the military, when you go to the shooting range, especially in the Air Force, before you qualify on, on an M9 or an M16 or an M4, Before you even go out to the range and pull the trigger, you'll spend half a day sitting in the classroom hearing about every piece and part of that weapon that you're about to put your hands on. Before you even touch the thing, they want you to understand the ins and outs of it, what every piece and part is for. And then they even instruct you on how to hold it, how to aim, how to breathe, how to pull the trigger how to discharge the weapon, what happens if you uh, have, a, have a lodged uh, round in the chamber, uh, how do you clear the weapon, how do you safe the weapon. There's a lot to training. It's not just simply handing someone a gun and taking them out there and pulling the trigger a few times. And you know, when it comes to our children, we should be one that 
does take time to dig into the details of life and, and teach them. Another word that comes to mind is mentor. A mentor is someone that leads through example, is open for dialogue and discussion, is really an encourager to someone, has more wisdom or has more experience in various areas and is willing to share that information to help someone. And then the last word is nourish. In other words, creating a healthy growing environment uh, in order to bring someone to full maturity. And then here's a thought for you. I want you to think about raising your children as something that doesn't just stop when they turn 15 or 18 or 21. I want you to see this as a lifelong process. Listen, you can teach your kids for the rest of your life. You can pour into them and guide and train and mentor and nourish for the rest of their lives. It's not something that you do and then it's over. I think about my dad who's 81, and even to this day, he will take time to just share depth of wisdom with me if he sees me struggling with something or worried about something. You know, he may take more caution in how he approaches the situation. He may even say, hey, son, are you okay if I share something with you? Because he knows I'm a grown man now. Whereas, you know, when you're younger, he'll, he, he may have said, hey, sit down and listen to what I have to tell you. <laughs> but he's still pouring in to me, his child, and and even though I'm I'm an, an, a man now of 43 years old, I know I have growing to do. I know I have maturing to do. I don't ever want to feel like I have arrived. I always want to be growing. And so to have a dad that continues to teach me and pour into me, that just makes me think that I want to, with my four daughters, continue to nourish them as they grow and mature in life. So... Those four words again, guide, train, mentor, nourish. I want you to just dwell on those words as you think about yourself as a father. Another thing I see in these scriptures is this. You're responsible. I'm responsible. The burden's on us. Ye fathers, it says, bring them up. And and I just feel like that especially in American society where we see such a rise of single homes where women are having to even work to care for their families, where fathers are completely absent from any support whatsoever. We, it's, it's become a difficult situation, and, and society is seeing the effects of it. So we need to take that burden seriously. If God has blessed us with children— And if we've produced offspring, we need to stand up, be a man, and take on that responsibility to guide, train, mentor, and and nourish their growth. I want you to notice in that scripture in Ephesians, there's a very stern warning. It says, don't provoke to wrath. Think about that. We got to be very careful in how we teach and train and mentor and, and instruct and guide and nourish our children. Don't provoke to wrath. What happens if we provoke our kids to wrath? What happens if our innocent attempts to do our best 
if if we actually have the opposite effect and produce more of an anger or resentment in their hearts? What's going to happen? Well, they're going to put up a wall, right? They're not going to want to listen to us. We may even lose their respect. We'll cause uh, discouragement. So we've got to be very careful because when you think about it, as you, you know, I've, I'm in the middle of teenage years with, with two of my daughters and one that just became a teenager and one that's uh, 11 going on 35. But something I try to do is as I, as I instruct, as I sit down and talk to my kids is watch their facial expressions, watch their eyes. Do they enjoy when you pour into them? Do they, or can you just see this look of, oh no, here he goes again. I think the way we avoid provoking to anger is make the training, make the discussion valuable. It needs to be valuable to them, valuable to their life, and help them see that what I'm sharing is from my heart. And what I'm sharing is is going to help you in life. And be willing to ask questions. Let them talk. Let them share. Don't make it a one-way conversation as they get older. Let them ask questions. Let them provide feedback. So they know that it's not just dad doing his thing. It's dad really does care about me being a better person, maturing, being successful in my life. And then guess what? You've created an environment where you can uh, nourish and train and guide and mentor. Again, I just want to say, watch and listen to your child. Watch those expressions. Uh, and be careful because think about it. Their, their soul is at stake. Really, you can, we can so easily drive our kids away from us unintentionally. And if you didn't have a dad that, maybe you had a dad that provoked you to anger. Maybe you had a dad that wasn't one to really guide and train, and he was more of a authoritarian as far as his approach to fatherhood. We've got to be careful how we approach our kids. And I don't see anywhere in the scriptures that God advises an authoritarian approach. I see more of a, of, a, of a training, a guiding, a mentoring, nourishing type approach. All right, so let's move on to the next thought here. What are we dealing with when it comes to raising our kids? I love a quote by Dr. James Dobson from Focus on the Family. He says, parenting is not for cowards. It's not for cowards. And the reason is we find a scripture in Proverbs 22 and 15 that tells us what we're dealing with. It says, foolishness is bound in the heart of a child. Foolishness is bound in the heart of a child. In other words, from the moment they're born, there's, there's some foolishness that's locked in there. It's just stuck in their heart. And really, you know, we know from Scripture, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. In other words, the heart, is what is, that's where uh, resides all of our uh, the beginnings of our actions, right? What comes out of the heart is really displayed in our lives. And and the scripture is saying foolishness is deep in there. And 
Unfortunately, we can't just reach in and grab it and pull it out. We've got to, uh, we're battling that in, in a sense. And the second half of this scripture says, but the rod of correction shall drive it far from him. Interesting, the rod of correction. This is a controversial topic when it comes to discipline, but I'll just say it this way. The rod of correction or discipline is necessary. To be a successful father, you cannot be afraid to discipline your kids. You can't be afraid of it. That doesn't mean we come in with a heavy hand and just whip the fire out of our kids all the time, but we can't be afraid in whatever way we deem appropriate, and that's something we need to discuss with our spouses and, and, and come to an agreement on how are we going to discipline, when do we discipline. I will say this, don't ever discipline when you're angry. Trust me, if you haven't been angered by your kids, just give it some time. They're going to make you mad, and you're going to want to beat the fire out of them. But when you feel that, you need to step away. Take some deep breaths and just relax a little bit, then come revisit the situation. The last thing we want to do is discipline out of anger. We want to discipline out of a heart of love. Because I think of God, right? He loves us, and he never disciplines us out of anger. It's always out of a heart of love. So I want to say it again. To be a successful father, you cannot be afraid to discipline your children. Start early. Be consistent. And really importantly, you and your spouse have got to be on the same page working together. Let me share a few scriptures to back this up. Proverbs 13 and 24 says, He that spareth his rod hateth his son. But he that loveth him chasteneth him, or chasteneth be times, or many times. He that spareth his rod hateth his son. And again, you hear the word rod, you know, you think of some kind of whip and stick or a switch or a paddle or whatever it may be, a hand, belt. Uh, the rod of correction, you know, for some it's a timeout. For some it's a, uh, you know, when I was younger, my dad used to, if I got in trouble, he'd say, son, go sit on the toilet. He wanted me to go think about, I don't know why he sent me to the bathroom. It's kind of funny, but he would make me go sit on the toilet seat. And just think about, it was like the most boring place in the world to be was in the bathroom. There's nothing to do in there. It's the most boring place ever. So I would just read soap containers or, I don't know, it just was so boring. And then he'd come in and have a talk with me. Sometimes he would spank me. Sometimes he'd have a talk with me. But there came a time if he sent me to the bathroom, I started feeling pretty bad. I was afraid of getting a whooping, but I didn't want to disappoint my dad is what it boiled down to. So again, discipline doesn't necessarily have to be, you know, corporate punishment. Uh, there's other techniques, right? Grounding and timeouts and things like that. And that's stuff that you and your spouse need to work out together. But again, this scripture saying that it's pretty clear. If you spare the rod, you hate your son. In other words, if you withhold correction when they need to be corrected, if you withhold it, that's the same as hating your child. So it's incumbent on us to to stand up for what is right, not be cowardly, but discipline our children. Proverbs 19 and 18 says, Chasten thy son while there is hope, and let not thy soul spare for his crying. This scripture always made me laugh because 
there comes a time with kids when the first few times you spank them or discipline them, uh, they may not cry until after because they are they were just shocked by the fact that you disciplined them. But then they get smart, right? And they realize if I start crying beforehand, maybe mom and dad will feel sorry for me and not discipline me. Well, this scripture here is saying, let not thy soul spare for his crying. I love that verse because it's saying that their tears are going to get you deep down in your soul. How many of you have heard your parents say, this is going to hurt me more than it hurts you? I never believed my dad growing up that that was true. But guess what? When I started disciplining my daughters and those cute little baby girls would look at me with their eyes with tears welling up in them. And I would think to myself, how am I going to do this? Just tell me you're sorry and daddy will tell you it's okay. Oh, it was so rough, but I had, I knew I had to do it. And it was so difficult. So, so difficult. And I had to rest on this scripture. Even though they were crying, I had to enforce uh, either the boundaries we had set And really, I was teaching them a lesson, right, that if you cross the boundary, there are consequences. And that's so true in life, right? This is a country of laws. Lawlessness cannot prevail. We would not have a country and the country we have if we had lawlessness. So in everywhere, in the workplace, in school, there's rules to live by. So teaching our kids that Uh, There's consequences to boundaries is a good thing. The last scripture is Proverbs 23 and 13. Withhold, not correction, from the child. And this cracks me up. For if thou beatest him with the rod, he shall not die. (laughs) The Bible's pretty pretty brutal, isn't it? If you beat him with the rod, he's not going to die. It kind of makes me laugh, but... It says, withhold, not correction. In other words, do what you need to do to correct the situation, and don't don't feel bad about it. He, he's going to be okay, or she's going to be okay. All right, let me just take a moment, too, and just share a quick story with you. Uh, there was one time I remember specifically I was correcting one of my daughters, and and, you know, just like father, like son, right? I told her to go sit on the toilet. Well, then I went in there to the bathroom, and course put this the seat was down but I sat down on it and put her on my knee and and I told her that you know she had done something and I, I can't remember what it was but I we had set a rule in place and she broke the rule and one of the things she said to me was daddy I don't understand why well at the moment I could not think of a actually really good reason for the rule that we had and I don't even remember what it was, but I just know I was struggling um, for a reason. So the first thing that came to my mind is what I shared, and I and I said, I think it was Madison who I was talking to, and I said, Madison, Daddy does put rules in place, and, and it is to protect you. You may not understand why, but I'm doing it because I love you and I want to protect you. As soon as I said that, it's almost as if, as if God reached down from heaven and tapped me on the shoulder 
and said, hey, Rob, you may not understand why, but I put rules in place for you too. And I almost started crying. And I began to think, wow, disciplining my kids teaches me about God's protection for me. So I want you to think about that. As you discipline your children, as you correct them, I want you to stop and think in those moments how God places boundaries in our lives or cautions us or warns us or or tries to guide us. And sometimes we resist, right? And then he has to discipline. It's such a beautiful story if you think about it, and it really helped me just see God's love for me in my life. Uh, but I think you'll see that as well as you begin to to properly correct and, and train your children in the way they should go. Here's a, here's a thought for you that's worth maybe writing down. In all our training, teach to understand. In all our training, teach to understand. The thought is this. You can have knowledge but really lack understanding. Your kids may know why. Um, They may know that you've set rules in place, but it's okay to give them the why. Give them the understanding. I think about math class in high school or, or, uh, you know, chemistry class or uh, you pick the class, right? And I used to be a memorizer with flashcards, so I would just pump my brain full of facts and figures and vocab words and memorize everything full of knowledge and I could pass the test but I wouldn't remember a single thing and I didn't really even understand what I was memorizing full of knowledge but lacking understanding the reason I share that there's a verse in Isaiah chapter 28 and verse 9 Let me turn there for just a minute. And it says this, Whom shall he teach knowledge, and whom shall he make to understand doctrine? Good old King James says, Them that are weaned from the milk and drawn from the breast. In other words, they're not babies anymore, right? They're growing up. And and that's interesting to me that, you know, who, who is weaned, it's, you know, we wean our children at a very young age. And so this scripture is not only talking about teaching knowledge, it's good to have facts and know things, but to make to understand. In other words, to, to bring those concepts to an actual understanding. And I want to encourage you as, you as you teach and train your children, start early and do your best to help them understand. Uh, don't just say here's the rules and press on right too often we just say follow the rules because these are the rules we and we just don't tell our kids why we don't give them the understanding or the background because guess what that takes time and you know what sometimes we may find out that the rules we had in place they probably weren't all that important anyway or that good anyway it's okay to be challenged because we're not perfect in how we raise our kids, right? I've set rules in place for my older girls, and then as they go along, I'm like, oh, that was pretty strict. I, I can probably look, ease up on that. 
Maybe they challenged me. And you know what? I even gave them permission to challenge me as their dad to say, hey, dad, why is this? And I told them I would do my best to give them a good answer. And that if I don't have a good answer, they just need to trust me that I have an instinct or I just feel something of the Lord that I need to keep this rule in place. But nine times out of ten, I try to give them the best answer possible. Why is understanding important? Well, the Proverbs tell us in Proverbs 4 and 5 that we need to get understanding. Proverbs 4 and 7 says, With all thy getting, get understanding. It's something we need to go after. Proverbs 16 and 16 says, How much better is it to get wisdom than gold, and to get understanding rather to be chosen than silver? You see, when you move from knowledge to understanding, it's like you're giving your kids silver and gold. It's good to have knowledge, but when you give them understanding, then they begin to piece the concepts together. They begin to to, to more thoroughly appreciate the instruction and the guidance you're giving them. So here's the, the question of the day is how. How do we do it? How do we mentor? How do we guide? How do we teach? How do we train? How do we instruct? Again, I got to go back to the Bible. When I discovered these verses, when my kids were young, it, it really freed me. Because no, you don't have a lesson plan. You don't have a, a guide that tells you what you need to teach, when, what age. You know, you're kind of just going as best you can. And life gets busy. And before you know it, that little baby boy or little baby girl is, is older and getting sassy. If you have a Bible, I would love for you to highlight these or circle these or memorize these two verses. Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 6 and 7. And these words, which I command thee this day, shall be in thine heart. Of course, he's talking about the law and God's, God's guidance for us. So these are God's precepts, God's instruction which to me is instruction for life, how to treat your neighbor, how to love your neighbor, how to be good to others. That's what God's law is all about, loving people, loving others, and of course, loving him. Verse 7 says, here it is, And thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children. Think about that, fathers. Teach them diligently unto thy children. In other words, you need to take ownership and get after it. We're not just flying by the seat of our pants. We've got to really be focused in our training and mentoring of our kids. And here's how you do it. It's the scripture or the verse goes on, verse 7, Deuteronomy 6 and 7. Thou shalt talk of them when thou sittest in thine house, when thou walkest by the way, and when thou liest down, and when thou risest up. I love this verse. He says, thou shalt talk of them. Isn't that cool? Just talk about it. You know, I can talk about Bible verses with my kids without talking about Bible verses with my kids. 
the golden rule, Jesus said, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. I can teach that concept to my kids. You know, if they, maybe they have someone that's uh, not being nice to them at school. And they come home and I say, hey, how was school today? And they, and they say, well, Dad, this, this person was pretty mean to me. It hurt my feelings. Well, I can say, well, stand up for yourself. Punch them in the eye, right? But that's not right. I could say, well, how do you think is, how do you think you should treat them? Should you do the same or should you continue to be kind even if they are, even if they're mean? Of course, the right answer is be kind. But then I can take it farther, right? I can say, do you know anything about their home life? Do you know if their parents are together? Do you know if they're poor? Are they bullied? You see, we're digging deeper into maybe why this person isn't nice. Because really, someone that's mean actually just needs love, right? They're not getting it from somewhere and they're acting out around others. So just talking about it. I'm giving him Bible principles without saying turned with me to book, chapter, and verse. Just talk about it. And it says when you're sitting in the house, or if you're walking by the way, when you lie down, when you rise up. In other words, all throughout the day, we need to look at every situation, every opportunity as an opportunity to teach our kids. To me, that freed me. Because now it's like, wow, this is awesome. Teaching my kids and training them in the way they should go is not just a devotion at night before we go to bed. It's how we live our lives every day. When we sit down at the supper table, when, we, when we're riding in the car, when we're walking in Walmart, we can have lessons all the time. But it requires me to teach diligently as a father. It requires me to have my game face on, so to speak, to be ready, to be aware, to be alert for those opportunities. So again, all day is a learning opportunity. Teaching and training our kids, it should be part of our, our daily conversation. We've got to look for opportunities, how to steer them, how to guide them. Pay attention. You know, pay attention to how, how your kids are talking to their mom. Are they being respectful or not? If not, correct it. And explain. You need to respect your mother. You need to love her. Speak to her kindly. You may not like what she says. You may not like how she's talking to you, but you need to honor her and respect her. How are they treating their siblings or friends? How do they talk about their friends? How do they talk about someone that's poor or less fortunate or that has a handicap? Are your kids aware of, of the loner? You know, if you're in a group setting at church and you see a, a, a child off on their own, not really with the group. Do your kids walk up to them and show kindness? Or do they try to stay in the clique or in the group? Do they stand up for kids that are bullied? Are they striving to do their best? Just simple, in the military we call it, situational awareness. But it takes brain power. It takes thinking on your part. I'm going to close today just by giving you one more thought. 
something that uh, I think I may have talked about in a prior lesson. But it's just a simple thought, and it's this. You know, businesses and corporations, military units, you know, from sub-organizations within the overarching organization, they have five-year plans of how they're going to get from point A to point B. And one of the neatest things I I stumbled on one time, and and I don't know who to give credit for if I just thought of it on my own, was developing a five-year plan for teaching and training my kids. In other words, how old are they now? How old are are they going to be in five years? And then what I did was, in five years, I've got 60 months. What are the top 60 lessons I need to teach my kids in these five years. And so I just literally mapped it out. I numbered one through 12 in five columns. And I began writing topics down. When they were little, it was Bible stories. I'd talk about Moses, talk about Jonah, talk about David. And all month I'd focus on stories about David. Maybe read a story. Maybe tell them not just the story of David and Goliath, but maybe how he was a, a, sh- a shepherd boy. Maybe how he made mistakes and asked for God's forgiveness. Maybe how he didn't treat someone real well. Or how he had a hard time with his son. So many lessons you can teach. And then there's, there's word topics like patience, love, humility, striving, caring, honesty, integrity. You'll find that all throughout the scriptures. I would find quotes. I would find little books that would have uh, those topics in it and just share it with my kids. And and each month I would just dedicate and, and try to think about daily that topic and how I could just incorporate it, as that scripture says in Deuteronomy, when we sit down, when we walk by the way, when we lay down, when we get up. So I want to encourage you to do that. Maybe you get you a notebook, maybe in a journal. And I'll try as I've struggled doing this on our on the on the blog uh, but I, on the manofsuccess.blogspot.com I think is the page. See, that's how terrible I am. I haven't been there in a little bit. Forget the website, but I'll try to make a little example for you, but hopefully you can envision this in your own mind of, you know, numbering one through 12 in the rows and then having five columns for you to have a topic for each month. 60 topics covers five years, something valuable for for you as a father, just something to focus on, something to guide you in your teaching and training. It worked well for me. It may work well for you. And I hope, again, this lesson's challenged you. If you know someone that's a father or about to be a father, I encourage you to share it with them. I encourage you to uh, give them this content so that they can be on the path to success in that critical role as a father. We need strong fathers in our community. We need strong fathers in our church. We need strong fathers in this nation, in this world. As time goes on, strong fathers are are critical to, to the future. So, again, thank you for listening. I hope this has been a blessing to you. I hope you like and subscribe and share with others. Uh, this podcast. Leave a comment on the platform you're using, and I would sure appreciate it very much. 
Until next time, this is the Successful Man Podcast. <laughs>